Hello, I'm Jerome Whittingham. I'm the editor of Hull Is This. Welcome back. Good to have you tuning in. You might have noticed over the weeks, or certainly this year, Hull Is This has been chatting to quite a few in the arts sector to see what impact COVID has had on their practice and how they're getting around it, what new things they're doing. Uh, we've spoken to visual artists um, about how they are displaying their work online and we've had a chat to a couple of choirs about how they've embraced new technology in order to meet together, to sing together. But what about opera? And in fact, what about Hull Urban Opera? Well, let's ask Hull Urban Opera's artistic director, Russell Plows. Russell, welcome to a Hull Is This podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. So how have you been, you personally, over the this sort of this year and everything it's thrown at us? Well, there's been a good amount of thumb twiddling. Everything is still, even even all of the things that we're planning now are are still on hold, uh, including the Christmas concert on the 11th of December, which is in Trinity Market. But if we're still in lockdown, it won't happen. If we go back to the tier system, then we're okay, I think. So we're, we're just playing everything by ear, appropriately enough. Yeah. Cast your mind back to January then, right at the beginning of this year, when we didn't know that this, this, well, the lockdowns and the impacts, the restrictions were going to happen. What had you got planned? What had you got planned together as a collective? Well, there was some really exciting stuff. For the first time, we were planning to work as part of Freedom Festival to produce um, a production of a piece called The Kaiser of Atlantis, which was going to start on a first-floor window on the White Frigate and then spill out onto the street and end up with um, the audience um, fighting and then dying <laughs> and, uh, and going off to, to heaven, uh, shepherded by death. So it was quite a, a convoluted sort of thing, and, and we were really looking forward to it, and then it, it became clear pretty soon that it, it wasn't going to be possible. All of us are crossing our fingers at Freedom Festival and things like it will be will be back on again soon, but I'm just not sure at this point. So you've had to put a lot on hold, um, but what have you been able to do? We've been able to plan um, and we actually got Arts Council funding for three pieces of work. The first is the Christmas concert, which is the, the simpler of the three. The other two... Uh, one is online, and the other is uh, really a, a sort of piece of research and development, which may result in pieces that we can perform. It depends how they go. The online piece, I, it's the online piece is one of those things that it's like a it's like a film with a twist that you can only say a certain amount before you give the game away. Uh, right. uh, well, we don't want any spoilers. So it's sort of an exploration of the dark web and also of our fascination with violence as entertainment. <laughs> so uh, getting an audience to fight on the streets, some some detractors guess, would say that's a typical whole night. I guess but you're, yes, you're yes, encouraging this sort of thing. Right? I guess we're following a theme. It might be now, now, that, uh, now that Trump is, we think, not in power, I guess that, I guess that might change to something much more peaceful potentially over the next four years, which would be, which would be very good. You you like to engage your audiences very much, don't you? you know, it, it's your performances, the pieces you put together. It's not about you standing in front of an audience and producing or providing a not just a, a great musical experience. You, you there's always a two way element, or, or very often there's a two way element. Is that really yeah, important to your practice? It's really important. 
it's part of a, a sort of opera by stealth policy where we think about what things people already engage with or organizations that people already engage with and then try to introduce opera into it. Or we find new ways of engaging with people via different media. For instance, the thing uh, when we do uh, the the online piece is called Crocodile and how it will work is you pay a very small amount for a password. It might be a pound or two pounds. And then we send you a dark web link and a password. And at at a given time, you log in and you're held in a waiting room. And then you're taken through to some really extraordinary and quite frightening places over the course of about uh, 12 minutes. And there are some ideas in that... I think probably we have to warn people in advance that it's a safe space. I was going to say, you, you, seem, you don't seem to be selling it somehow. You're, yeah, you're almost putting people off. The impression <laughs> while you're in it is that it's an extremely dangerous space and there'll be all sorts of things happening to trip you up psychologically and make you, make you worry about things. So it's, it's an exploration of that. It's an exploration of, of the murky things happening in, in corners that we don't usually get to see. And then, and then we've turned them into an opera. But the, 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 the part that I can't tell you about is that, is that there is actually, the whole piece makes reference to something that people know really well already. But we're not saying what that is, because part of the fun of the piece will be working out uh, what's, what's happening. So what's the timeline for this piece? Is this in development at the moment? Have you got a date when you'll be rolling it out? Or? It's, well, inevitably, the stuff that we just got the funding for will be some time before it's ready because it's got to be, the libretto's got to be written and that's got to be composed and rehearsed and all of that. So I think we're looking at probably March or April for Crocodile. So you're actually putting together a piece about modern um Modern technology, modern communication. Yeah, it, it is also about violence, <laughs> and violence as entertainment. But if you just think about all the things that are being talked about at the moment that people are talking about to each other, and when they say, "Did you see last night?" It's nearly always something that's instigated by someone being killed. Yeah, crime fiction series, yeah, and that sort of thing. Yeah. We just take that for granted now. So it's a bit of an exploration of, of why that's the case. That's intriguing, totally intriguing. Yeah. So what about um, the way you've embraced um, technology in order to, to continue rehearsing together maybe or, or your, your, your plans for delivering your works in the future? It's difficult to know how, how, how deeply to get into it because nothing can really properly replace live work and we hope to be getting back to live work as quickly as possible, especially for the sort of work that we do. But I think what's slightly different about, about Crocodile is that, is that it's a piece about the process of choosing to watch something on your computer. So instead of just saying, just doing LabOM and, and putting it online, it's a piece which actually uh, encompasses the act of, of what you're doing when, when, when you watch the piece. So it's, it's a slightly... It's a slightly more complex solution to to doing things online, and really that might be the only thing we do for the moment. Because the the thing after that is um, a piece called 
Moth for Opera, which is based on Moth for Radio. Do you know Moth? No, no tell me more. It's, it's an American phenomenon that took off, I think, about four or five years ago. What's really extraordinary about it is that there's an idea that everyone has a really, really good story in them. And Moth encourages people to tell this story. They usually last about 10 or 12 minutes, uh, but they tell it in public and they tell it over and over and over again. So that each time they tell it, it gets slightly better. <laughs> um, and then when they feel that it's ready, it goes, uh, it goes on the radio. There's a really extraordinary range of things that have happened to people. A really alarming one just recently was about a man who uh, put his daughter to bed and came downstairs and there was a man standing in his living room. And he wasn't sure how to react, and he looked harmless enough. But then the man looked for something he could hold in his hands and started to try to hit him with it. And it it became obvious that uh, there was something very wrong with the guy, and he was going to try to kill him. So so, So the person that was telling the story said that he also looked for a similar sort of weapon. But all the time that he was trying to... Uh, fight this man and, and prevent him doing any damage. He was aware that he was doing it quietly because he didn't want to wake his daughter <laughs> up who was upstairs. It was just bizarre. And so he managed to get the, this guy out of the house and the fight continued on and then he thought he had finished and the guy ran away. And as he was walk, walking back to the house, just in time he heard footsteps and the man was charging at him again with a weapon. And again, he managed to... So, so th- this is the, the incredible thing that that happened and and he tells the story and that happened at the same time that I was looking into how with opera singers who are working really really up close with audiences in in the way that we do where there's no no distance between them really anything that you do that is fake as a performer will be absolutely obvious you can't get away with anything and so what I wanted to do was to get the singers to create their own piece of work, which was completely from them and from the heart and sincere. There was nothing to hide behind. And then present it using the skills that they have, which would be, it might begin spoken, it might then be underscored with music, it might then be sung, it might be something in between singing and speaking. But it it would be a similar process. It would be about 12 minutes of four of our performers talking about something that matters or that happened to them. Um, the thing I was a bit concerned about was that people might think that uh, the worst thing that happens to an opera singer is that their avocados don't arrive on time <laughs> or, or the, the dryer won't start or something like that. But actually, I, I really encouraged them to be brave and they've come up with, I'll give you two examples. One, one person is talking about a gambling addiction um, which became really crippling and, and was threatening to destroy not just his career, but his whole life, really. Um, another is, singer is talking about discovering um, that she had a brother um, and then meeting that brother and this feeling like a really momentous thing. And they're feeling an enormous emotion and connection at the time. But then afterwards sort of reverting back to how things were before and that being absolutely fine. And the sort of 
Uh, the feelings that that brings up of shouldn't I feel differently, maybe some guilt, maybe some perhaps this is good, nothing in my life has really changed. There's another person there, there that I can I can pull into my life if I want to. So and and then the and then two more two more stories along similar lines. So I think they're going to talk about things that will really matter to them and that will be intriguing for people to listen to. And they're going to do it in their own particular way. I'm going to be providing the music um, with the help of the singers. And I think really what's research and development about it is that we all the way through are going to have to be guarding against it getting really pretentious. Sounds to me, though, that that sort of format where the singers are something uh, are singing their own stories, has that really come out of the, the, the period of deep, intense internal reflection that has been forced upon us this year? Would that piece have been on your plans if we hadn't have had a, a, a pandemic and all of the restrictions all of the time we've had to think? Well, that's a really interesting point. And actually, you might be surprised to hear that it was, it was in the works before there was any hint of COVID. Um, I mean, I, I understand why, why that does make sense now, why it might, it might, the piece might have more relevance for an audience. But it really was much more to do with it being a sort of learning experience for the singers about having nothing to hide behind. And now developing us as, as Hull Urban Opera as a company that's really about um, immediacy and immersive work uh, and having nothing to hide behind. So it's about being brave. And actually, a, a couple of the singers are reporting to me at the moment that there are some sleepless nights involved in this because you are putting not just your talent on the line, but actually your your life. You're, if you if you bear your soul, and people hate it, that's it's it puts you in a very vulnerable situation. Yeah, it's it's very brave of them to agree to do this. But this 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 is the great thing about the, the group of people that we're pulling together is that is they are willing, really willing and excited to to go to new places. Um, I mean, I'm sure secretly a lot a lot of them would love to would love to do Traviata and Bohem, but uh, in the meantime. They can do this too. So is there anything um, that you've started to do as a collective this year that um, you never imagined you'd be doing, but has actually worked out quite well, sort of techniques of communicating together, uh, writing together or whatever? Throughout the lockdown period, I've been chatting to a lot of artists and I've been asking them how they are responding. And are we finding new ways? We're, we're having to find new ways. Are these new ways actually, you know, much better ways of doing things? I still think that people getting together and reacting live and rehearsing together and, and performing live is still still works far, far better than anything online. There have been changes because of COVID, but for us they haven't happened yet. They've been more about us deciding to do things. But then so that the the when we actually all start working together online will be once the pieces are finished. Uh, and Lenta is still writing Crocodile, and I don't have the moths um, to write the music for just yet. I think they're, they're due to finish the first draft in a week or two. But certainly Crocodile is, is a result of, of the COVID period. Uh, during, the, during the last 
lockdown. I, I wrote an opera. <laughs> um, so that was that was a, a rather solitary experience. And now we have a half-hour comic opera called uh, Mr. Tilly's Seance, which we intend to do in December 21 as part of more Bumps in the Night. So, yeah, it gave me time to write an opera, but it, there, there wasn't any collaboration in, in that previous lockdown. This, this, this one there will be. So you just mentioned collaboration there um, with... Uh... Well, what about your collaboration with external organisations, external to all urban opera? Oh, yes. I, I almost forgot. We, we did do, um, Back to Hours did very kindly ask us to create an online concert uh, of about an hour, uh, which we did. Um, and it was, it contained very uh, varied uh, material. We, we asked people in advance what sort of things they'd like to hear and, and if it was possible to perform them, we did. Even when we do a Christmas concert, we try to do a, a twist on it. So we, we have a format called People's Choice. It, it's actually a lot of work because it means you rehearse double the amount of, of stuff that you actually perform. But what that then means is that when we, when we do the concert, we can offer people a choice of things they'd rather hear. So in effect, the, the audience programs its own concert. And that has worked very well. It keeps people engaged and involved and, and they get to hear what they want to hear. Have you come across any um, examples of um, groups similar to yours uh, performing online, taking their work online or performing in other new ways? The choice, you know, the, the element of choice you've just mentioned there, that's a fantastic opportunity there. I've been looking, say, for example, the Freedom Festival, put an app together. And yeah. even though Freedom Festival this year was nothing like the Freedom Festival we know yeah. and love, it actually felt rather good to be flicking through pages in an app and waiting for those pages to be updated. And we knew it was time limited for that weekend. So that, that felt as though it was a time limited event and experience that was just for that, that one weekend. Have you come across any examples um, over the last six months or so where you've thought, mm, right, okay, that works really well? I haven't seen many examples which were more than organisations putting their work online. Um, I mean, one of the main ones I've seen, I think, was Guildhall School of Music and Drama, who had a bit of a, a nut to crack. And in the end, they created what video they could of the pieces of the operas that they chose. And then they got their IT department to create a sort of 3D rendering of the set and how the characters might, might move within it. It went down very well and people liked it a lot, but it felt to me like trying to do an old thing in a new way rather than really reimagining what what might be possible with this with this new tech? Um, so I haven't seen I haven't seen a lot of innovative responses to to taking things online yet. I suspect people actually I have seen something that was rather brilliant, but it was a rather modest thing, and it was on Facebook. Uh, there's a singer whose name I have forgotten, so he'll have to forgive me. But he um, he's created videos of sort of satirical videos of a choir rehearsal, and anyone that's anyone that's been in a choir uh, rehearsal, sort of local choir where they invite a, a star soloist in, 
uh, will will know some of the things that happen. But the twist on this is that there is the uh, the choir conductor, the pianist, three singers, uh, one of whom is a woman, a soprano, and then the star tenor, and they're all played by the same man. <laughs> uh, and the way that the, the characters sort of gossip and bitch and talk to each other, and it's the same person doing it, and he's talking to the pianist who's talking back, and it's, it's all very, very cleverly plotted, but it's absolutely brilliant. It's, it's one of the best responses to, to uh, taking stuff online I've seen. It's incredible. <laughs> that does sound wonderful. How worried are you as singers about any uh, sort of physical impact that COVID coronavirus might have on, on your throats, on your vocal cords? That's a good question. I think singers more than anyone are, are shielding like mad, probably. And it might be that we don't know yet. I don't know of any singers, I think. I don't know of any singers who've had COVID. What would worry me and them, I think, is this idea of long COVID and, and things that may not currently appear uh, and might happen might happen down the line. Let's hope there are no lasting impacts. Hey, Russell, it's been really good to catch up with you. Um, I think it's about a year or so since we last spoke, so yeah. a lot has happened anyway. Um, it's been good. Thank you for, for bringing me up to date with, with what you've been doing and what you've got planned. Um, how can people follow what you're doing? What are your uh, social media accounts and things? It's all at Hull Urban Opera. Uh, that's on Twitter and Facebook. My Facebook is just Hullurban Opera, I think. Or the website is hullurbanopera.com. Um, once we realised that we could start selling tickets from the website, it's much cheaper to us and actually cheaper to audiences as well. We, we started doing that. So there's that. Uh, you can also join our mailing list via our website and then whenever things become available, you'll, you'll know straight away. Your Christmas show sold out. It's rather wonderful to say that things sold out, but when when you consider social distancing, there were there were thirty tickets, uh, but those those did go within uh, two or three hours of our putting them online. I have pressed Trinity Market to see if we can maybe get some extra tickets in there, but obviously they have to abide by whatever whatever rules are applicable at the time. So so we'll have to see. Would you be um, streaming that event as well? Or- it has occurred to me. Uh, the one thing I don't want to do, uh, the only thing I want to guard against is people feeling that they're paying for something that they could have got for free. It's uh, an utter, utterly, hand, utterly uh, different experience, though, isn't it? It, it, it is. It really is. Uh, and, of course, they, the people at home won't get to decide what, what music they hear, whereas the, the people in the hall will. But th- there is quite a long waiting list, so... It would make sense to do that, and I think you know you, you've just made a really good point, which might which might persuade us to do that. I think if we can do it, if we can do it well, well maybe you're the right person to speak about that. We should speak about this <laughs> after. Uh, yes, I like my technology, as you know, but I'm, it's a rapid learning curve for me. And hell is this over this year too? But yeah, yeah it's good to be learning new things there. Russell, thanks for getting in touch. I've enjoyed uh, that update that you've given us. Um, I will make sure that your um, social media links and the like are in the show notes uh, for this episode. Thanks again. Awesome. Thank you.